if you'll come with me, you'll float too. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Nerdstocking. As you can hear by the completely not fabricated hollow echo in my voice, we are coming to you from the sewers underneath Toronto. We're hoping to get an interview with the evil clown Penny Saver, who will sell us a cheap used car and then haunt you with constant repair bills. I'm stuttering Bill, and with me tonight is Chad, man of a thousand voices. Greetings. All my voices sound like me. They do, and a beautiful voice it is. Like a fucking nightingale. <laughs> Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. Yeah, take these broken wings and learn to fly. They're broken. You can try. You're just going to cry and fall down, dumb bird. Birds what are you thinking, even. McCartney? Mr. Great Songwriter? Sounds great. One of the greatest songwriting teams of all time. Fuck you. Oh, mate, don't. Don't scrutinize it. That's my Liverpool accident. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Paul, if the wings are broken, how is he going to learn to fly? <laughs> Shut up, John. Just You get off my back. Just because they're broken doesn't mean he doesn't know how to fly. If it was a baby, is it a baby bird and it broke its, somebody broke its wings? Uh, don't think about it too much, John. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bird. Actually, what's happening tonight is that I'm going to give my mini review quote unquote mini mini the page of notes 12 pages of the latest adaptation of Stephen King's it and Shh. and then we're gonna it. T- <laughs> yeah. it's quit talking to Chad Shh. it it <laughs> but I think first off we're gonna cover some nerdly news and one big news item is that we recently got back from our trip to Australia and the visit to the Aquaman set. Ba-da-da. That was exciting. Jason Momoa set us up to go see it. He's, I guess he's a buddy of yours. What, a bowling buddy or something? That's right. That's yeah. right. Bowling. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He seems like a bowler. He was my dealer. Drogo the bowler. <laughs> Drogo. Oh, yeah. He's, he's Drongo. The Drongo cunt. He's- <laughs> Well, that's right, I forgot. What was his other name? I forgot to say that. So he went to Australia and became the Drongo cunt. He's the Drongo cunt. We had a guy from Australia uh, got in touch with us, and he was letting us know uh, that he's, they're not enjoying uh, having all their streets blocked in there in Australia when they're shooting the film. That's right. Trampling over all the wilderness, killing all those deadly poisonous snakes. It's terrible. Yeah, terrible. That's terrible. That's all those less you know, funnel web spiders. The movie crews killed them, squashed them all. Exactly. They brought in a team of like boot squashers. They yeah. just walked around going squish, squish, squish. Right. <laughs> Did you enjoy the trip, Chad? It was great. Uh, you know, Jason, he towed the bill, sent us tickets, yep. came, brought us out, gave us uh, some really great uh, scenes to watch as they were filming him swimming. And he's a great swimmer. I think he's, uh, I think he's from Hawaii originally. Right. He's another, he's like the rock. That's right. Well, I think they're brothers and actually, you know. Yeah, they, they kind of look like it. They could be. Yeah. <laughs> they should be in a movie together. Except, except one can really act. Which one? Uh, Which one, though? That's Leave that uh, open. That's, that's open right. Question. Contact us through Facebook. Be, yeah. Which one do you think yeah. is Which a one? better actor? <laughs> like, 
Exactly. Who should become the politician and who should be acting? We got to watch the protesters complaining about the roads being blocked. Yeah. Got uh, Foster's cans thrown at us. They yeah. were full, full too, because yeah. they didn't want to drink them. Uh, Russell Crowe was kind of upset. <laughs> An asshole. Yeah. It's like, is that guy, it's all he does is play Australian rules football. <laughs> yeah, while he's smelling the flowers. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Yeah, Izzy Azalea. Iggy Azalea, Rebel Wilson. Yep. Who was the other person? Oh, we saw Nicole Kidman oh, was yeah, there. Oh, yeah, Nicole Kidman, that's right. Kate Blanchett was there. Mel Gibson wasn't all that great. He was a little drunk, I think. He's a bit, uh, a bit of a drink, primate. Drinking a little, hitting the bottle a little bit. <laughs> Drinky poo. I think he had the bottle of uh, <laughs> of something other than beer. Meth. <laughs> that a bottle of, of meth. The vial of meth. <laughs> he, was a bit, he was a bit out of it. Yeah, what's, that, what's that green stuff? I think he called you sugar tits, didn't he? Well, I don't know if he called me that, but I felt he was thinking it. Yeah. But uh, we made a video while we were there, so you can check that out on our YouTube channel on uh, YouTube. Our YouTube channel on YouTube? <laughs> is that what I just said? <laughs> you can check that out if you uh, uh, search for um, nerd stocking one word on YouTube. And if it tries to split the word, just click on that you want to see nerd stocking and you'll find it. No. You it's have to not, go to nerd stocking channel. Okay. That's much easier. Type in nerd stocking channel. It's much easier. And it will take you to nerd stock and you'll see all of our videos. Yeah. There are amazing videos. There's, yeah. there's like hundreds. We've really got our own uh, little studio going on. All that's those, right. All those videos. Uh, so you can check out, there's some, uh, we did a great one for the 40th anniversary of the, of Elvis's death. Oh, that was really good. Our shot, uh, our visit to Aquaman set. Yep. And uh, yep. there was another one. Oh, you can see the unreleased uh, It it song from right. the upcoming It film. Yeah. We were uh, commissioned to do that. Stephen King actually wrote in after he was so thrilled with it that uh, he, you know, he wrote, uh, I'll read it here. He says, uh, Chad, you have a way with word. <laughs> That from one of the most popular authors of all time. <laughs> That's right. It was short and sweet, but very to the point. Grama- grammatically questionable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's if got he's got spell checkers. But if you see the song, it's, it's I think it's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Really helps define it. Yeah. And what's not it. That's right. We were down with it. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. Uh, other news is um, they're making a Joker film, a standalone Joker film without Jared Leto. What? Yep. So uh, I guess they want to maybe get Leo DiCaprio as the clown prince of crime. Wow. Well, he might be, uh, you know, he'll be more of a Cesar Romero. Yeah. A combination maybe between Jack Nicholson and Cesar Romero. He did The Great Gatsby. So imagine The Great Gatsby with green hair. Right. Yeah, exactly. That might work. That would be good. But uh, he was Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was kind of crazy. Maybe not Joker level (laughs) crazy. Although or maybe he was. He put uh Kleenex boxes on his feet. <laughs> That's another the, character. All- the uh not the Joker, uh Hugh uh Hugh, Hugh Hefner? Hefner? No, uh Howard Hughes. <laughs> Hugh Hefner, Hugh he Hefner. put Kleenex somewhere else. <laughs> he had Kleenex boxes <laughs> everywhere. Put them on his feet. <laughs> Here, dear. Here's another box. <laughs> <laughs> well you go through them fast, Hugh. Um yeah, it's gonna be a film that's it's not canonical. Like it doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's not related. What? And it's an origin film. So we get yet another, uh, maybe this time he'll fall into a vat of playing card wax. Cause that's really, <laughs> that's that what we want. It. That's what it should be. 
Well, maybe maybe they'll do like a like they did with Anakin Skywalker, and they'll just have like kid kid Joker. And he's like he's just a little asshole. Oh my god! Imagine that. Right? He'll be the uh, Phantom Menace of <laughs> Batman. <laughs> That's Fuck right. me. Somebody will elbow him, and he'll fall into the playing card wax, and then he grows up slowly but surely and yeah. turns into Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> he'll look at uh, Harley Quinn and say, "Are you an angel?" Played by Dame Judy Dench, I'm sure. Oh my god, that would be awesome. She's hot. <laughs> She's got a tight body. It's like Ross is back in the room. <laughs> I got deja vu, man. <laughs> hey, you know, they say that in France. What? Hey, feels like I've been here before. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be directed by Todd Phillips. who has got a pretty good resume for superhero films because he did The Hangover. Yeah, super. <laughs> the super. <laughs> Not Hangover 2 or 3, though. Those were subpar. And yeah. The Hangover uh, franchise. Hangover 3 needs to be incinerated. So was Hangover 3 the one with uh, Mike? Mike Tyson? Or was yeah, that two? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he's in both. He had a tiger. It was the one with the, you know, the Chinese guy? Yeah, of course. Do you know in real life he's a doctor? Like yeah, an MD yeah. doctor? Yeah, I know that. Anyway, there's yeah. this scene with him coming down on a parachute yep. and shooting. <laughs> and it was just like... This is the worst piece of film I've ever... No, it's it, it's one of, like... I think I have a list of uh, three films that need to be incinerated. Yeah, only three? Well, it's, merciful. it's a work in pro- Are progress. you not merciful? Well, it's like, you know, I, I don't... I take it seriously to suggest that a film be stricken from the history books. Right. From yeah, all it's a, living It's a memory. serious thing. Hangover 3 is one of them. <laughs> it was the perfect example of, hey, you know, one was really successful. Yep. Be- because of that, everybody went to see two. Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> Let's do another one. We'll laugh all the yeah. way to the bank. You're making the wrong assumptions. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, we're not going to saddle Todd Phillips with two and three, Hangover two and three, because I don't, I don't know that he's done that. But uh, they're actually, when I first read the story, I thought that they wanted Martin Scorsese to direct it, nice. which would be kind of neat. Joker done like, do I make, am, I, am I a clown to make you laugh? I'm like, yeah, you're the fucking Joker. That story smells of, I don't know what it is. Formage? Bullshit. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> might be. It's like, Leon, yeah, Leonardo It's fake news. Leonardo DiCaprio. Fake news. Fake like, news. That's right. But uh, I wish the, the fake news was that Donald Trump was president. It's like, <laughs> oh, thank God it was just a lie. <laughs> Happy New Year to all, including to my many enemies and those who have fought me and lost so badly, <laughs> they just don't know what to do. <laughs> Love. Speaking of fake news, uh, they're making Deadpool 2 right now. They're shooting it. It's uh, The shoot is in Vancouver. I unfortunately heard a little while ago that a stunt woman died in a motorcycle stunt. But uh, in the first Deadpool in the end credit sequence, Deadpool was saying their cable's going to be in it. <laughs> And he is. And that's Josh Brolin? Yeah, Josh Brolin is playing Cable. But the thing is, like I always say, I'm not a comic book guy. It's really you I always turn to when it comes to comic book stuff. So I was wondering if you could fill me in on who this Cable character is. Well, you know, we have had other consultants on the show that were much more X-Men fans. I don't remember any of that. (laughs) But, you know, you you gave me this assignment six weeks ago. Really? uh, I tried really hard to make it sound just impromptu right now in the moment. But... Uh, and I did okay. very thorough research to right. find out about this cable character because he's a product of the 90s. 
Uh, the 90s. 90s was a dark period in comics where right. Marvel was just hanging on, yep. releasing comics twice a month because they were like, let's give them everything. Well, 600 different variations, foil covers, let's, <laughs> everything, let's just milk it for, and they were really on the on the verge of collapsing as a company. Right. It's hard to believe they're so successful now being traded on the stock exchange, like everything. They're this huge, huge enterprise. Right. And this was a dark, dark time. But during that time is when they created Deadpool and Cable and all kinds of other stupid characters. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I did uh, I did my research. All right. So, uh, so I want to know more about this Cable character. So how about we have a... Bullshit superhero origins. Today, Cable. All right. So in my research, this is what I, I've managed to... It was a little hard to decipher because it was, you know, a lot of the characters of the 90s are very ridiculous. They don't really make a whole lot of sense. They were just like, okay, how about uh, this, you know? And there was a lot of that. You know, and I guess it always was. was Stan Lee was saying, okay, he's a, he climbs on the wall like a spider. Like, you know, that's all it really came for Spider-Man. But they tried to make it much more in-depth. And so after reading and studying and reading through old comics... Here is the story of Cable. In the 27th century, Rene Long Prairie Kablonsky is called to install television access to an apartment on the 900th floor of a building deemed cable-worthy to the orange-haired mutant apocalypse in his regime. Because elevators are only used in low-income condominiums, everyone simply beams to whatever dwelling they're going to. Unfortunately for Kablonsky, some cybernetic gangsters were in the middle of torturing a guy this guy is getting zapped with this strange device at the same moment that Kablonsky is beaming up. But for some reason, he gets beamed to the wrong place and ends up appearing right between the device and the guy. And bam! He gets zapped and all of his cable gear gets fused to his body. He, in turn, accidentally kills the gangsters. The guy getting tortured was the scientist working on a time-traveling system and the gangsters were trying to steal it. Kablonsky and the scientists begin working together to make the world a better place, with Kablonsky going by the name Cable Man. When the brother of the gangster Kablonsky accidentally killed comes to get him, they kill the scientist. But before he dies, he helps Cable Man escape through time. Cable Man arrives sometime between 9 and 12 on the 20th century on the front lawn of Xavier's mutant school and becomes the shop teacher of the school and buddies with the X-Men. He wires the school with a futuristic cable package that not only gets regular cable and a VIP movie package, but it also shows channels from the future, and with future content, a portal into the future. Charles Xavier decides it's too dangerous, because if it were to fall into the wrong hands, who knows? And he decides to remove the future channel package, but before that happens, Magneto converges on the school with the evil mutant gang to steal Xavier's cable. Luckily, the future gear is made out of a synthetic metal, and Magneto has no power over it, and so Cable Man manages to cut the cable in time. Magneto leaves, and Charles Xavier has Cable Man reinstall basic cable, but with TMN and HBO, so they can still watch Game of Thrones. Cable Man becomes Deadpool's sidekick for a time, who tells him Cable Man is a stupid name and shortens it to Cable. This is likely the story arc in the upcoming Deadpool 2 film. Cable. And that is your bullshit origin story. And uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about for news is uh, that J.J. Uh, Abrams is taking over Ep9. You know, so the guy who was doing uh, Episode 9... Yeah, Rain Johnson. This, is that the Creative Differences story? Is that the one that they were saying that this is truly an example of Creative Differences? Uh, no, that's something else. But I think he did cite Creative Differences when he uh, stepped <laughs> down too. 
he refused. He he didn't he um not refused, but he just uh whatever you a, a nicer word than refused. He gave it a miss. Right. Yeah. He said, I won't be doing that. I won't be doing M nine. So Abrams JJ Abrams coming back in. So well, I, he's good at action. I guess we can look forward to another Death Star type space station exploding because of an Achilles heel design flaw being exploited by a small rebel force. Yeah. We can expect another that. one. So there's Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, and now we'll have another one for nine. Okay, so now <laughs> let me get this straight. So we have one Death Star from Star Wars. Yes. We have one Death Star from Return of the Jedi. Yes. And we have a giant cannon in The it, Force Awakens. Yes. And if we put all three together, we'd end up with two big balls and a cock. <laughs> That's the next movie. That's funny. That's funny. I don't know. Do you have something? To, some news there, Chad, or was that it? Season seven of Game of Thrones. Yeah. You're about halfway through the season, I think, right? Yeah, I'm on episode five right now, and that episode four with the unleashing the dragons was yeah. just like, oh my god, this is some of the best. Tele- I watched it twice. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, it's a great, great season. Best since two, I think. Best since the second season really awesome they're tying up a lot of threads that just because i got frustrated in those middle seasons because it's like people are spinning their wheels shit's not getting done and here they're bringing them all in like make your reconciliations here you go yeah because like they left the books and they were like well all right let's just have let's spend another season of her accumulating an army Gathering together the army. Oh, a little bit of intrigue. Oh, there's another son to to take the throne in uh, wherever. What's right. that place called? Uh, King's Landing. King's Landing. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, this was the one. This, this season so far, there's been so many reunions. Yeah. Bringing all these people finally together. Yeah. The, 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 the kid there who is paralyzed. Yeah, Bran. Bran. He's the three-eyed raven. And what a great shit. Like, it really is a family. Like, to see that... You know, when the writing is so good that you look at these characters and you see the way they've developed from season one to season seven now yeah. with uh, Bran and he's he's become some sort of god. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then you have um, who's the, what's the redhead one? Uh, Sansa. Sansa. Yeah. You know, and she's been through hell, married yeah. to Joffrey, <laughs> and like and then married to Ramsay Bolton, he, the worst. Right. <laughs> You know? Worst, and then you have make Joffrey look like a fucking saint. The 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 young one, the girl <laughs> Arya, and yep. she's awesome. Like yeah. we follow. She's this- turned into this murderous fucking assassin. Yeah, and she's so <laughs> awesome. And it's like seeing these stories. And now in the last one I watched, I guess I'm in uh, episode five. I didn't finish it though. Where you know uh, she's she's very uh, she's accusing uh, Sansa. Yeah, she's of- gonna backstab John that she's worried about, right? Well, she's she was complaining, saying, you know, oh, you saw our father die, and you did nothing, right? And she's like, "What could I do?" Which is true, right? There was nothing she could do. Yeah. And uh, the little one wanted to do something, but she was stopped. But it's sort of like, I just the writing is it it can't be beat. Yeah, it's great. The only thing I would kind of slight it on is those those first two seasons of of Game of Thrones. The real revelation to me was. Um, was uh, Tyrion Lannister. Uh, what's the name of the guy that plays him? He's a little guy. I don't know. A little person. I forget his name. Plays Tyrion. Like, he was a real revelation. Like, it was amazing to me. It was so awesome that you'd have a little, you'd have a little person 
is so small in stature, but in every scene, he's taking up the whole screen, right? Like he's such a great character played by a, a really great actor. But then after that second season where he leads, uh, uh, he helps uh, defend King's Landing in that battle where they end up roasting all the boats in the harbor with uh, green fire. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, right. He's such an amazing actor. He'd fill the fucking screen. Like he's a little guy, but that's all you're looking at. And you're mesmerized by this guy. Everybody else falls away and you're looking at this actor. He's played such a great character. But in three, four, five, and six, they kind, well, I guess when he murdered uh, his father, (laughs) that was kind of a big, that was pretty, pretty big plot. But that was his one little moment in those middle seasons, but he's not really being used. And uh, even now in season seven, I think that character's given kind of short shrift. Like he's he's advisor to uh, Daenerys the now. Hand, right? He's the hand for Daenerys. And he's had a few more moments than he's had in this season than he's had in the uh, previous seasons. But he's still, I feel like it's a character that they just kind of lost a grip on. Well, the interesting thing in this season was when um, uh, Jamie Lannister kills that old woman. Yeah, uh, Tyrell. Yeah, and yeah. She, she says that she killed Joffrey. <laughs> and and that... It's another reveal, right? Yeah. Another closing of a loop, of a thread, right? That's right. And But yeah. that right there, going to Peter Dinklage, is that that was why he was imprisoned. Yeah. He was accused of killing Joffrey. Yeah. And that changed his entire trajectory. That's right. And so That's right. the Dragon Queen is going to have all the success because he's her, her right-hand man. Yeah. And... They caused this shit. That's they right. betrayed their own brother. They didn't listen to reason. They didn't believe him when he said he didn't do it. Yeah. And, you know, even killing his father is still a result of that act. So really, what's it? You know, and I have, the, I have a hard time remembering all these names. It's too much. <laughs> and half the time I'm like, what was that? I can't even remember the names <laughs> of the places. Too much. Yeah. But uh, yeah. what's her name? The Siri? Yeah, Cersei. Cersei. Yeah. Right? It, you know, you never know I love the show, but it's like... <laughs> well, like, it's, it's like, not a requisite to much. know all the names, right? But it's like uh, <laughs> Cersei brought this shit all on herself. Yeah, of course. She caused it all. Yeah. All of her, everything bad thing that's going to happen to her, yeah. it's her own fault. But in, in a way, you kind of love her for it because she's just uncompromising. Yeah. Right? She's not going to... It's great take, storytelling. You know, it is. But I like hate, you, I hate her, though. <laughs> but like you said... Uh, I'm glad it's coming to an end. It's next season will be the final season. I'm I'm glad, and they really it's a good end game, season seven because they're really tying things up. And yeah, then the, they'll have another platform to move on to uh, with the season eight. You don't seem to understand the situation. I understand that if any more words come pouring out your cunt mouth, I'm gonna have to eat every fucking chicken in this room. I got a bone to pick with you. It's very, very important. All right, let's hear it. I posted a new picture on Facebook, okay. my new profile picture. Oh, yeah. And you didn't like it. I didn't like it? What the fuck is wrong with you? It's a great picture. <laughs> it really is. You holding the ice cream, right? That's right. It's really well lit. That's right. That, like, that We should, shot that. I did. And we what? need to shoot in that place, I think. What is it? Like, where was it? It was that ice cream store, one of three. Along, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's called Long King. Right? Dip, dip something. Dip next to the coal yeah, one. Not the coal one. Yeah, but it's a different one there. So there's a the six fifty six fifty ice cream coal one. Yeah. There's white squirrel that has uh, Greg's good good ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Kids love the marshmallow one. 
Yeah. But this is a new place, and they have like it's all white, like a very vanilla soft serve. Yep. And then you get dips. Okay, right. And there's like thirty different dips. Dip, I've dip, had dip, 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 dip. Get a job, dude. <laughs> and then you dip it in like I had the pina colada one. Nice. There's a caramel one. Right. And you get things stuck to it, which I'm I'm not a believer in. Right. No uh, sparkles. No, no. No sparkles. Sparkles. <laughs> I'm joking on sparkles. <laughs> Sprinkles, you mean? Sprinkles. <laughs> exactly. It's from your yeah. male but stripper it looks, days. It looks really well lit in there. It's really good. It's got that great blue wall. Yeah, it's a great shot. That's right. But you I don't, I'm not, am I supposed to like profile pictures? You're supposed to like I mine. Mean, I like your comments, like, but I, I don't know. We I'm, supposed to like, I'm not supposed to like your pictures. That's how I judge all my friends. Yeah, uh, that's a picture of Chad. Yeah, of, okay. Of, of all my friends. <laughs> I know who my, my 14 best friends are now. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, as soon as this podcast is over, fuck, I'm running to Facebook and I'm going to like, I'll like your picture of you with the ice cream. But it's a be really well lit picture. For it to change from 14 to 15. Doing, uh, doing these videos and stuff, I'm getting more and more cognizant of lighting and trying to make sure everything's well lit. And uh, I looked at your picture and I'm like, well, that's a really well lit photo. <laughs> it's like just a nice. <laughs> Total exposure of you and your face and your hair and the everything. Ice cream looks good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Well, you look happy. That's right. I was Generally, gonna... you look kind of angry in those photos, <laughs> Facebook photos. Like in the one we use for the logo for nerd stocking, <laughs> you look like you're a cop who's pulling right. somebody over. I always think, you know how fast you were going? That's what it looks like you're asking. I was in the streets of Lisbon in that one. And oh, yeah? uh, it's, I was, you I know, guess that'll do it. Tired of being a giant. <laughs> <laughs> you tower over the people of Lisbon? Yeah. That's how I felt when we went to Beijing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Racist. There's a lot of seven-foot Chinese people. <laughs> there there is. Well, there's- uh, I think there is now. There's um, the basketball player. That's right. What's his name? I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. It's been a little, he's fallen out of favor, that guy, I guess. Oh, come on, bucko. Don't you want a balloon? It's time to get into the shit, and that's my review of It, Stephen King's It, a new adaptation that they've just done. For me, you know, if you when you do an adaptation, you've got to um, bring something new to the table, right? Like I think of uh, The Shining, right? When I think of Stephen King adaptations, because The Shining, if you were a Stephen King purist and you look at that, and Stephen King himself hates that movie because Kubrick really fucked around with a lot of stuff, right? There's just a bare bones structure of the story. You know, guy takes his family to work as an a caretaker for this isolated hotel and he goes crazy and tries to kill his family. Just that basic structure. And Kubrick throws a lot of other shit out in the book and he adds his own stuff with like just a t- for him I think for Kubrick in The Shining it's just a tone, right? Very creepy tone like Danny's riding through the hallways in his big wheel and he sees the two girls in the distance and the music is very strange. The Walter Carlos um, uh, synthesizer music's really strange and creepy. Way he composes shots, very strange, very weird, keeps you off kilter, right? And it's a new thing. He didn't shoot just plot points from the book. He added his own cinematic flair to it. 
Yeah, like when he's going, the kid is going through the hall. Yeah, it feels like you're riding a big wheel right behind him. Yeah, as opposed to watching him with, you know, as the camera is set up. At yeah, a, you know. Yeah, well, it was one of the first, maybe the first uh, uses of Steadicam in motion pictures was uh, on The Shining. Hmm. The guy who invented that was the guy running the camera there. But uh, just very weird. Like, uh, and then King was so pissed off about The Shining, he. Did his own TV movie, a four-hour TV movie over two days. Fucking oh, sucked. Oh, I remember that. Sucked. Actually. Had the guy, Stephen Weber, I think, the guy from Wings, and Rebecca De Mornay was, uh, Wendy was his wife. And I have to say, she was much better in that than uh, Shelley Duvall. Duvall, the crying, simpering uh, wife that she was in the Kubrick's. Rebecca De Mornay was much more stronger character, mm-hmm. but in all the movie fucking sucked. And the movie, I'm pretty sure King wrote the screenplay for that adaptation, so he's got all the scenes he wants in there, but it just sucks. It's terrible. Well, often writers shouldn't like novel writers shouldn't write screenplays. Right. Well, it definitely is the case at King because he's never written a good screenplay to save his life. But anyway, I think an adaptation should be bringing something new to the table, and then you keep as much of the heart of the book as you can. Right, that's really good. That has the the heart of the tale in it, and uh, so when you do it, sure, you have a movie about a group of kids that come together in their town to fight a kind of an ancient, endless evil that's living underneath their town. But it's what you say in between the plot is really the important thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It's the stuff you do in between that. Yes, it's the stuff you bring cinematically to the table in between the plot that was in the book. And they don't really do any of that in it. It's another movie where they're he's hitting the plot points. They've edited stuff out so they can tell a two-hour movie, but they don't really try hard enough. They just jettison all the stuff that really gives the movie its heart. Like uh, you know, there's a kind of a cosmological aspect to it where it's two cosmic forces, you know, ultimately that are facing off, right? And the kids are just the agents of the good cosmic entity. It's a turtle. In the uh, in the book, there's a turtle and then it, which is just some evil cosmic entity that's landed on Earth in the prehistoric ages. Derry is a town that's been built on top of it, you know, you know, millennia later. So it cuts all that out. There's a little bit of a hint in the movie about uh, the turtle. You see one of the kids has a Lego built turtle. They make kind of oblique references to it. But uh, yeah, so they don't bother with any of that, you know. I'm not looking for 100% of the book to be filmed. I'm not going to the theater and just see a camera aimed at a book and they're just turning pages. But um, if you inevitably, when you edit the film down to two hours, you, you sap some of the heart out of the book, you've got to do some stuff even abstractly to add it back in, right? You have to abstract stuff, obviously, because you only got two hours to do it. But these guys didn't even bother with any of that. It's just a straight tale of kids fighting this evil clown. And the clown in the book represents so much more. He's just the physical face of this entity. But in the movie, it's he's like a slasher, right? So they, they don't do a lot of character development with with these kids? Like they, they don't do, make you like them? or Yeah, they do a little bit. Um, like you're saying about the heart. Like the key to any protagonist is you have to have... There has to be a reason the viewer gives a shit. Right. Right. Otherwise, it's. Yeah. Well, like, they're the agents of the audience. Yeah. Right. They're the agents. They're, you know, the representatives of the audience in the movie. Right. And then you kind of relate to that. And, and just being kids is not enough. Well, they do, you know, like I said, the, some, most of the heart of the book is 
these misfits who are being picked on for whatever reasons, right? Richie Tozier wears a big uh, pair of eyeglasses. Ben Hanscombe is super fat. Bill stutters. Bev has an abusive father and they're poor. So she wears like hand-me-down clothes that she she sews them so she makes them into something they're so not. So you're saying this is pretty in pink meets <laughs> Stand By Me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. More like Friday the 13th meets Stand By Me. <laughs> but uh, so these all these misfits and they come together slowly over one summer and individually they're just losers but when they come together as a group there's some kind of power there. And again, it's kind of fed by this cosmic entity that's almost giving them power to uh, fight this evil entity that's living under dairy. So it's the Avengers. <laughs> exactly. Because Assemble. And a day came where yeah. one kid one was enough. not enough. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they're, they're supposed to come together and their, their uh, friendship with each other becomes really super powerful. And it's one of the things that helps them beat it the first time. In the book, they have to come back as adults again because they don't quite kill it the first time. So that is not really dealt enough in the movie. They have a couple of scenes, like there's one where they're, you know, roughhousing in a swimming hole. They're splashing each other. Oh. <laughs> and uh, another one where it's a pretty iconic scene from the book where Beverly hears voices coming out of the drain in her bathroom in her house. And she goes to investigate it. And she hears the voices of some of the children that have disappeared in dairy. And then all of a sudden blood comes up out of the drain, right? In the book, it's kind of splashes. In the movie, it's such a fucking ridiculous scene because the blood comes up and it sprays everywhere. Like, so the, her bathroom is coated red and she's covered in blood. It's kind of like, reminds me, it's a cross between The Shining and Carrie. Right. It's maybe they did, did that as an homage to two other Stephen King movies and stand by me with the throwing oh, up, throwing up. The that's true. That's true. But like, it's just so ridiculous. And then as in the book, her father comes in, he doesn't see any of it. He's standing kind of, you know, giving her heck and he's in a room covered in blood. And he doesn't notice any of it because the adults don't notice any of this shit. So she gets her friends to come over and they clean it in the book. It's like, yeah, it's a little blood and they kind of clean it up. In the movie, it's ridiculous. Like, they'd never be able to clean this shit up. It's like someone's fire hosed the, this bathroom full of blood, and they're, like, got the sponges out, and they're trying to clean it. So, and then at the end, it's sparkling clean. It's, like, kind of stupid. But, uh, you know, it's, it's stuff like that where it's supposed to bring the people together, and they only really have those two scenes. And it doesn't really work. It doesn't work because it's not convincing enough. It's got to be their friendship is what takes them, uh, enables them to beat it. And it doesn't really seem like it's established enough in the film, right? What they do in the movie is they, instead of the, all of them working together to beat it, it's just each of them has their own individual fears that they have to overcome. It doesn't really work as a group in the movie. But two of the, two of the actors do actually sell it. There's um, Finn Wolfhard, who uh, was the main kid in Stranger Things, he plays Richie Tozier, and he's fucking hilarious. He's the chubby one, right? No. The curly hair? No. Oh. He's the skinny guy. He's the guy that was with Eleven oh, right. most of the time. And uh, he's really good. He's hilarious as Richie Tozier. He's got a real potty mouth, right? The movie's R-rated. So he's like, when crazy shit happens, he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck was that? He's like, he's freaking out, right? He's like uh, Bill Paxton in uh, Aliens. He's like, what the fuck? And... Uh, the other guy that's a standout in the cast, uh, Jack Dylan Grazier. And uh, 
he plays Eddie Kasprak, and Eddie Kasprak in both the book and the movie is he's a hypochondriac. He's got pills with him. He's got an asthma inhaler. He's like always thinking he's sick, and he's kind of the straight guy that's like, I don't think we should go in there. You know, that's gray water. We're gonna get affected and all that. And like, and when they're gonna go to Beverly's to clean up her bloody bathroom, he's like, Do you know that most accidents happen in the bathroom? Like he's he's a funny character like that. He's a counterpoint to Richie Tozier and they both play really well to each other so there were the two standouts the guy who played Stuttering Bill is not that great he's kind of he's charisma free that kid plays (laughs) that guy Beverly was okay she was all right and then there's Stan Uris who's just he's pretty forgettable is the sewer scene in the movie which one The, the sewer scene where the clown is in the sewer yeah well what's funny is um it's in the trailer, I know, but I didn't know. Yeah, what, what's funny is they focus more on this house. It's called the house on Kneebolt Street uh, in the book. It's just old, abandoned house. <clears throat> and it's one of the portals in which it enters Derry, comes up from the sewers and enters Derry. So it focuses more on the house at first, and then they figure out that there's a well in the basement of the house. They go through that, and it takes them to its lair in the sewers. But they don't do a long trek through the sewers like they do in the book it's just they kind of end up right in his lair right away pennywise's lair there's a couple of good points one they had they had a funny joke running through it where ben really liked the backstreet boys and beverly was making fun of him and she kept quoting uh backstreet boys uh lyrics which was kind of funny so she's she's making fun of him and she knows all the words <laughs> exactly um the movie's moved from the book the book takes place in the 50s and the movie it takes place in the 80s so they've kind of changed the era a little bit. Well, because it's Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, yep, exactly. They're taking advantage of that. Um, I'd say probably one of my biggest problems with the film, it's just really a series of jump scares. Well, that's that's horror today. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, movies nowadays, horror movies nowadays are, are more out to startle people than they are to scare people. It's just startling. Shit pops out at you. It is just kid hears a noise or sees something kind of strange. He goes to investigate for some reason, right? He walks towards whatever it is. Maybe he's curious, whatever. So he goes towards it. The music, a really bombastic, intrusive soundtrack in it. So it, the soundtrack, you know, ratchets up. There's a pause. <laughs> fucking scene after scene after scene. I'm telling you, Chad, there's five of those scenes in a row. There's nothing in the middle, right? And the sad part is there's the most effective scene in the film in it is uh, the scene where you might have saw in the trailer where they're watching a slide projector, right? And all of a sudden it starts going by itself and you start seeing pictures on the screen of like Pennywise and uh, of course he fucking pops out at the screen at the kids but it would have been so much more of an effective scene if it hadn't been preceded by five other fucking jump scare scenes, right? It's kind of lost its potency when it's the sixth one you're watching. Yeah, well, it's like it's like people lying to you, you know, and giving fake stories on a podcast. Yeah. You know, about, it's like, oh, about, you deceived me with your lie. About, I'm such a fool. About origin stories. <laughs> you know, but it's like <laughs> when somebody lies to you and they go, oh, you're such a sucker. 
it's jump scares are the same way. It's like, oh, yeah. you made me jump because you startled me when there was nothing, and then there's blah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you're gonna. That's this is we're animals. We react this way, but yeah. not, there's nothing smart about it. You didn't win. You didn't achieve something. Right. You know, it's it's you a just, cop out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And there was another good scene uh, with Ben. He's in the library researching dairy. He's kind of getting an idea that something's going on and it's, and it's an evil that's maybe been around before. And he's reading about this incident that happened in the book too, where there was a ironworks factory in Derry and it exploded one day while they were having a picnic in the grounds, right? And lots of people died, mostly kids. And he's looking at this book that's talking about it and he's flipping the pages and it's a picture and he's f- turning the pages and they're all kind of the same picture that just kind of zooms in, gets closer and closer and closer as he's turning it. And then there's a child's head in the tree and it's kind of, wah, that's kind of <laughs> effective in the way they shot it. But everything else is just cookie cutter horror cliche one one right? It's disappointing. Like, cause it is so much more than that. It is Stephen King's homage to that, but it transcends that in a way too, Right. But in the movie, doesn't it? Just it's getting the jack in the box pop up scares and just keeps throwing them at you one after another after another, and it doesn't really deal with the heart and them coming together and they defeat this evil. It's just kids and they kind of beat the shit out of Pennywise at the at the end. Well, it's like the right? uh, the world of licensing, right? Where it's like, hey, let's just let's get the license for Star Wars and put it on Monopoly. It's like we want to make a horror film. Let's get the Stephen King It story and throw it on a horror film. So, and what do you give this film? I don't know. I'd probably give it, I don't know, maybe a four. Wow. I'm going to give it a kind of a shitty score because well, it was disappointing. Then it can suck it. Yeah. It is shit. I'm yeah. a Stephen King fan. I like, I like, I really enjoyed his books as a kid. I haven't really read one as an adult. Right. Um, you don't need to. All the stuff. Oh, no, no, that's not true. I did read Hearts of Atlantis. That's great. And I love that book. That's an anomaly in I, his later I stuff. I still use that as an example because yeah, I it's love- It's a fantastic book. It is really good. Low Man. I love yeah. I love the concept of it. Well, I like the great, movie. It's a great combination. You know, I haven't seen the movie with Anthony Hopkins, right? It's only one piece. Yeah, they only use one piece of it. Yeah. But uh, it's, inter- it's interesting because he has a kind of his typical kind of horror story about the Low Man- but then uh, it's about a guy in college just playing hearts and yeah. wasting away his college. That's one part of it too. Yeah. I, I <laughs> That's really interesting. Like the book. Yeah, that was a really good book. But everything else, even the later Dark Tower stuff, is garbage. Like uh, for me, when I say I'm a Stephen King fan, I mean from Carrie, you know, his first book, Carrie, up to uh, the Tommy Knockers. And there's a lot of people that would probably knock the Tommy Knockers off of there because it's an it's an iffy book. I really enjoyed it because it's Stephen King dealing with science fiction a little bit. He he deals with science fiction so little in his stories, although it is kind of has, has a, although in the movie it doesn't, it doesn't have any science fiction tones. Like I said, they cut all the cosmological uh, space, you know, stuff, science fiction stuff out of it, the movie. So Carrie to Tommy knockers is stuff I really like. So you got, Dead Zone, Salem's Lot, The Shining, you've got uh, It. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, one of my favorites. You got all that stuff. Uh, Cujo, I didn't like so much. Christine, I'm not a big fan of. But uh, you've got this huge chunk, you know, from the late 70s to um, 90. That's good stuff. 
that I really like that I reread and reread and reread. I just reread it over and over and over again. I don't really buy new books anymore. I just, I've got to the last Stephen King book that I like. I'm going to start again at Carrie. I'll just go right through them. I'll keep reading them. But uh, Tommy Knockers was the name of the film with uh, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, I think. <laughs> That's funny. The movie, uh, they did a movie out of it, I think a TV movie, and it probably is the worst thing they've ever done based on a Stephen King book. It's Jimmy Smits is the guy. I forget who plays the woman, Roberta. It's fucking terrible. But I, I love those books and everything else after. There's there's two that I think are acceptable. One is Bag of Bones, which I re- recommend you would read if you ever get the chance. It's pretty good. It's kind of a Rebecca de Mornay, you know, gothic mystery, although it's contemporary, but it has a, a feel of a of a gothic uh, horror uh, story. And then Hearts of Atlantis. It's a great, great book. Everything else, fuck it. Yeah. All the collection of short stories. He did uh, from a Buick 8 and uh, everything's eventual. You know, usually I'd say the go-to would be his short stories because different seasons, uh, Night skeleton, Shift, Skeleton, skeleton crew. crew, fucking amazing. But even his short story collections after that, fucking garbage. Don't, don't read them. No, short stories are for young writers. <clears throat> That's it. Old older writers shouldn't write short stories. Period. Yeah, yeah. You know, you that's how you get your chops, and then you have your chops, <laughs> right. and then you lose your chops. <laughs> that's the arc. Right. Like yeah. I'm a huge John Irving fan. Oh my god, so and, good. And he's the same thing though. It's like, yeah, it's fourth a, hand was okay. <laughs> he's exactly the same. Uh, Prayer for Owen Meany, Cider House Rules, New Hotel New Hampshire, World According to Garb. F- World According to Garb. Fucking amazing. Like. Literally life-changing books. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're a creative person, you read that stuff, and like, I'm inspired. I'm, you know, this will take me on a trajectory of trying to create stuff that's amazing and interesting as this. Well, you know, but I read, the next one I read was A Son of the Circus. I'm like, oh my God, he's fucking lost it. I love that book. (laughs) I love that book. Yeah, that's the one that I read. I was like, okay, that's it. I guess I can take Irving and that's it. I'll just keep rereading those four. See, for me, it was the next one, The Widow for One Year. Uh, that one was okay. Have you read Setting Free the Bears and the f- whatever pound the marriage? Pound mar- yeah. No, I haven't. They're not good. Yeah, I know that I, I tried <laughs> to find, because they were in, they were uh, published in Penthouse. Okay. And I was trying to get right. those, and because like the, the first editions are hard to come by. Right, right. Um, it's funny when you have a writer that, it's like the uh, there's the Elvis and Beatles thing that Tarantino talks about that you can like Elvis and you can like the Beatles but you can't like them equally. Right. So are you a Beatles person or an Elvis person? Right. He actually did a scene in Pulp Fiction that was cut with yeah. um, uh, Uma Thurman saying to John Travolta, asking him if he which one he was, and then deciding he was an Elvis person because okay. clearly he makes was. Sense. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. He's no Beatles person in that movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's uh, true. You know, yeah. But. Uh, with John Irving, it's the same thing. It's like, are you is it is it Garp or Owen Meany? Which is which is your favorite? Yeah, you can't like them both equally, yeah. and you're either on the Owen Meany side or the Garp side. Yeah, that's true. One's a little darker than the other. I'm a big World According to Garp. I'm all Garp. Owen yeah. Meany was not my favorite book by him. Not close. Well, it's I have a funny approach to it because A Prayer for Owen Meany was the first John Irving book I'd read, mm. and uh, it was great. It was great. Yeah, but then I Simon can, Birch is a terrible movie, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. based on it. Yeah, I can look at uh, the Hotel New Hampshire and um, Garp and like see the difference. 
you know, yeah. like these are so much better. But but Meany was an interesting book. It was really interesting. See, I think Hotel New Hampshire is my favorite Irving book. Yeah. Even though Garp is to me the the representation of him. As well, a have writer. you read Cider House Rules? Oh yeah, that's good. You know, and it I, is good. I find with the crazy sister. Cider House Rules. Uh, you good know, night, I, you kings of New England. Princes of Princes of Maine. Yeah, yeah was, it's a beautiful great. book, and yeah. it's it's it is beautiful. It's tragic, right. unlike it, the other a, things. Yeah, it's a bit, very beautiful intricate book I, the, where uh, Hotel New Hampshire uh, is kind of rollicking. It's like this fucking out of control car. I, right? wa- I, see, I won. I, I have this <laughs> And Garp fantasy. too, too. Garp almost too is kind of, it's rollicking. It goes off in fucking directions like, whoa, what the fuck? It's craziness. <laughs> I want to have a Hotel New Hampshire. I want to yeah. have that. I want to yeah. move my family <laughs> to a hotel. That's what I mean. It's life altering. Like, this is such, these are such great ideas. Like, I want to fucking do this shit. <laughs> like with Cider House Rules, what I find so tragic is is the main character? It's constantly this, the 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 the, the woman he loves is. It's always a. It, they use wait and see. We'll wait and see. We'll right. Wait and see. It was like, and he's always strung along. Well, uh, Cider House rules. It's incestuous. He's uh, got a thing for his sister. No, that's Hotel New Hampshire. I think it's all actually in Cider House rules too. No, in Cider House rules. He's he's the. He's an orphan, right? Yeah, and it's the the wife of the oh the right plantation owner right that he's in love with. Have you ever seen the movie um, the door on the floor? Yeah, I have. I took with the, Ethan. Uh, no, what's his name? He's Obi Wan Kenobi. It's based on. Uh, it's a. It's isn't it a screenplay written by John Irving? Something like that. Maybe. But it's a, it's the first movie I took Sherry to my wife yeah. on a date, and then. Uh, I had bought her. I bought her a prayer for own meanie beforehand. I bought her that book. I'm like you got to read this. This is by the same guy, and she never read it. And that just <laughs> is a good start for our relationship, <laughs> for our marriage. <laughs> See, you know, screen writers <laughs> didn't should, bother reading it. Novel writers shouldn't write screenplays. Yeah. And one of the biggest things is that a screenplay is a story told with pictures, and yeah. a novel is a story told with inner di- inner dialogue. Yeah. And so those two things just are on completely different playing fields. That's right. And this is why almost every screenplay written by a novel writer is usually terrible. That's right. You know, you, you, know, can't do it. you know what's funny is I don't think I've ever watched, you know, the movie at the Hotel New Hampshire, Jodie Foster, Rob Lowe. I have it on DVD if you want it. Is it good? I, I like it. I like it a lot. Huh. You know, we actually had a movie night. We had a little group of people. We were going rereading through Irving books and then watching the movies. Uh-huh. I have Garp and I have Hotel Hotel New Hampshire. Like World According to Garp is one of my favorite films of all time. Right, that's a great film. So it's sort of like it's Robin Williams at his very best. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a great film. Yeah. Um, but I use like from uh, Cider House Rules. I still with my kids when I I want to like get my point across. I'm like, hey, what's your business? Because <laughs> my business is knife fighting. <laughs> right, which is from Cyrus <laughs> Rules, because that was that the one actor, the the guy who was the manager of the slaves, yeah. he was a slave himself. Well, like or the plantation migrants, worker, migrant the migrants, worker. migrants, yeah, yeah, they yeah. weren't slaves, I guess they were, but they were, yeah, they get paid shit, made, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, they weren't going anywhere. Yeah. But he was like, the, he was the that's where the incestuous <laughs> thing was going. He was sleeping with his daughter. Oh, okay, that's right, right. And he was the guy who was like, "What's your business? My business is knife fighting." <laughs> <laughs> you know, definitely want to tangle with that guy. <laughs> I do this as a fucking living man. I'll fucking stab you. But yeah, and the only redeeming thing in a widow for one year was part the big 
the the sort of catalyst for the uh, the, the the turning point in the film is is a car accident, mm, and like Gerp, and uh, well, that's yeah, that's not a turning point point, but it's I guess it is. Yeah, it's is that kind of comes point. it brings at the end the relationship, right? Like yeah, it's such all a great the fucking scene around. the sob and the knob, because <laughs> even in the film they don't talk about it, but it's like the knob had had come off, yeah. right? Yeah, right through the eye. <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, no, there's there's a part in per, uh, in Widow for One Year where the car is at a red at a green light, yep. wanting to make a left turn. Yeah, but the thing about making a left turn is you're you're supposed to keep your wheels straight. You okay. never sit yeah, there so waiting to anticipate your left turn and turn your wheels waiting. In case someone rear-ends you. That's right, because you go straight into oncoming traffic, which yeah. is what happens. And every time I'm in an intersection, I think of that book. <laughs> Always. Gave you, I met somebody some else, and they were the same way. They were like, you know, that's the one thing that we came out of this book <laughs> thinking. It's like, yeah, never turn your tires. Yeah, don't don't be uh, anticipating that turn. No. Pull out into the intersection, but don't turn. Exactly. <laughs> that's cool. What else you got? Um, you know, I watched a film called Backcountry by a director named uh, Adam McDonald. Right. It was so good. It was based on this true story of uh, a couple who go up camping. Yeah. You know, and he's like, oh, that, yeah, we're going to go to this place. I've been there before. It's off the beaten track. They were told not to go there. They were said, they were, the, the, the park ranger said, this is off limits right now because of this or that, bad weather or something. Yep. He doesn't listen. Right. And he goes off and he takes them out to this uh, this remote part and gets lost because he didn't know where he was going. And they what get a lost. jackass. Total jackass. So well acted, so well scripted. There's three people in this entire, uh, four people including a bear okay. in this entire film. Right. And uh, it was like, it was so tense, so suspenseful. Yep. Pretty gory. Great movie. Great movie. Who are the actors? Um, Missy Peregrine from Rookie Blue. Right. She was in it. Adam McDonald was also on Rookie Blue. But Adam McDonald has a new movie coming out called Pie Whack It. I think it's uh, premiering at TIFF right now. Interesting. And uh, it's about, uh, it's a it's a new take on witchcraft and wow. witches. Oh, that sounds interesting. Pretty dark, I think. You ever see the movie The Witch? The Witch? Yeah, The Witch. I've seen The Witches. It's, uh, yeah, with the... Uh, Angelica Houston? Yeah. <laughs> that was a Nicholas Rogue film. That was my the one <laughs> Nicholas Rogue film I don't like. Right. Although, uh, you know what's great? I, not to, As a yep, sidebar, yep. Uh, The Witches um, is the inspiration for Harry Potter, regardless of what yeah. J.K. Rowling has to say. Because yeah. that kid is Harry yeah. Potter. Even looks like him in the poster. He's got little round glasses. He's got messy, ridiculously... It's funny because his ridiculously messy hair looks like Harry Potter's ridiculously messy hair in the... Harry Potter books, the yep. fir, the or the fir, the first movie, yeah. I should say, it looks fake. It looks like they hairsprayed it, right. disheveled, right? Um, and he even has a scar on his forehead. I think. Wow. Well, for whatever, for whatever reason, uh, in the Harry Potter books, Rowling makes a big deal of that in that first one, the Order of the, F- no, it's not the Order of the Phoenix, whatever. The Philosopher's, Stone? Philosopher's Stone. They make a big deal about his his hair is out of control. Yeah. For, like when she's describing Harry, she makes a point of saying that. Well, there's right? even one part where he he gets a haircut and it grows back full length the next day. <laughs> right. Which infuriates his asshole aunt and asshole uncle that he's living with. Right. Speaking of horror. Yeah. Seen any horror good films. horror films lately besides It? Yeah, well, 
it's funny after I saw it and it's innumerable jump scares, just one after Boo! the other. Oh, Sorry. Careful, man. I, uh, clean yourself now, man. What I wanted to do was I wanted to watch a film in the same genre and see if, you know, is it really that bad? Maybe they're all like that. So I, I had seen the conjuring quite a few years ago when it came out, but last night I watched the conjuring Two just as a comparison, as a baseline for it. And The Conjuring 2 is a fucking much better film than It. It's a thousand times the horror film that It is. Because, yeah, Conjuring has jump scares. It has set setups where you know something's going to happen. Shit's going to happen. But they do it in such a great way. They, they lead you into the scene and they ratchet your tension and they bring it up and then they there's no release and then they bring it up and there's no release. It's like sex, right? Like they're, they're bringing you in, you know, you're looking for that release of what's going to happen and they play with you and they do it so masterfully. They spank you. Yeah, really. They spit in your they face. They te- squeeze you and tease you. And uh, then shit happens at the end of it and it's, it's so well done and it's much better than it where it's just a series of kind of ham-fisted jump scares that are just going to, it's like a jack-in-the-box. You're in a haunted house you're in a in a dark ride, right? You're in your car and you're just going through and you're waiting for the shit to pop out at you. You know, that's it. And The Conjuring has, is very good with the characters, right? Like they're about uh, this couple that are really existed, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were, I guess you'd call them ghost chasers for want of a better word. Maybe they're like people that deal with the occult and they're called into these cases and you you get to know the couple, Right, they deal with the husband and wife, and and they're great actors. They're very good actors like, who are playing it. You're right. The very, actor who plays the man. Yeah, can't remember his name, but first time I ever saw him was Angels in America. That right. that uh, short. It was like a four part. Yeah, it was a miniseries. Al Pacino was in it. Yeah, it was so good. Emma he played, Thompson. He played a Mormon. Yeah, who was visiting New York. It was interesting uh, takes on religion. Yeah, right. but everything now that I've seen him in, he's like, he is a, such a solid actor. He is. He's a really good, solid actor, and you need that. And she is too. She, the woman who plays it, she's been in a few things. I remember, I think maybe the first time I noticed her was uh, in the- um, Santa Claus? No. She it, was in that. She was Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus. With fucking uh, Tim, Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> she was great. She was in, uh, who's the- Cary Grant of this generation. Who's that guy? Leonardo DiCaprio. No, uh, another one. <laughs> Mel Gibson. No, uh, George Clooney. <laughs> George Clooney, oh, yeah, George Clooney right. Yeah. The Cary Grant of this generation. Sure, yeah. So he was in a movie where he was playing a guy that would go to compananies and help downsize them, and he would like fire oh, yeah. all the people uh, uh, up in the air. I think that's what it's oh, called, so it called, up yeah. in the air, yeah. And she was the... He had a little girl with, he had a little uh, chippy that he was training to do. Yeah, she's the one from Pitch Perfect. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's Anna, not. Anna Kendrick. Yeah, but that's not her. Uh, I don't know if it was his wife or whatever, but she played a role. I can't remember the name of the actress, but she was in that. And I remember seeing her in a, like, she's just that kind of woman that's like, she's beautiful. She's an older woman, but she's beautiful. And uh, she's plays uh, Lorraine Warren. She plays. Uh, the wife. Isn't she the actress who plays in Bates Motel as, as Norman sure. Bates's mom? Maybe. But I wonder if uh, I'm remembering wrong. But she is really good in it. And they they have a they're centered as a couple, right? And that makes you feel more when they get into this crazy shit that's putting them in peril. It's a great film and it had me fucking you know, all day I was like jumping at shadows and creaks in the house, I'd be, you know, looking around. I'd see something out of the side of my head and I'd be like, What the fuck? What the fuck is that? You know, 
it affected me. I'm a kind of a jaded guy. I like horror films. I like watching a lot of horror films. This one got under my skin. Have you seen uh, The Others? Yeah, it's a great. Another one I watched right? it just a little while ago. I have the DVD. It's uh, oh, sorry, not the others. The it's where uh, strangers, strangers. No, the, the one I'm talking about is uh, Nicole Kidman yeah, is a mother. It's a ghost story. And she, yeah, and she's got kids that can't be exposed to light. She's got to keep all the doors closed and all the windows closed. The one I'm thinking about is the uh, it's the strangers. It must be. It's with Liv Tyler. I haven't seen in that a anything. house by herself. Okay, and. Some people visit her. And it's <laughs> fucking terrifying. It's one of the the scariest movies I think made in the last you know, well, twenty years. Well, uh, yeah, the actor is Vera yeah, Farmiga. Yeah, or Farmiga. Yeah, Farmiga. Yeah, that's why. Farmiga, I can't, that's why I can't remember her name, but she's really good. She's great, and she, yeah, she plays Norman Bates's mom in okay. the Bates Motel show as right. well. But she was Miss Claus, Mrs. Claus, and right. Um, she must have been cashing a check for those ones. Well, she's like I think one of these actresses who is the mom. She's you know yeah, she always gets cast a MILF. as the wife. Yeah, she's a milf, but she's really she's good and she is attractive. She's got a a look about her. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, The Conjuring Two I would recommend much more than it. <laughs> it is shit. Shh. I have to say. It. So I don't know. Should we wrap it up? Wrap it. All right. In West Philadelphia, boy. <laughs> so uh, we've made it out of the sewers and Don is breaking, so that's it for our It Show. Maybe you'd like to cast me into the deadlights for calling It Shit. If so, you can drop us a line by email. It's nerds at nerdstalking.com. Uh, you can contact us via Twitter. That's at nerdstalkingpod. You can find our website at nerdstalking.com. We've got a real empire here, Chad. Facebook. Nerdstalking. You can look for Nerdstalking on Facebook. You subscribe to our podcast at Podbean or anywhere else you might be listening to it. Nerdstalking channel on YouTube. That's right. You can see all of our amazing videos, our trip to Australia. Exactly you right. You can see Rebel Wilson. Yeah. Nicole Kidman. Izzy, Iggy Azalea. Yeah, she was there. <laughs> she just wouldn't leave Mel, me alone. Hey, sugar tits. And, uh, yeah, so check out all that good stuff and... Uh, uh, please uh, subscribe and comment on all that stuff because your input really gives us a gumption to keep going. So uh, I guess that's it. See you later, Georgie! <laughs> <laughs>